Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Don't mind me. Don't mind me for a minute. So I'm a wreck right now. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you, Brother Jeff, I sit back there, and, and let me say this, because I, you know, I get ahead of myself sometimes, and it's good to have family and friends in here, and good to be with you, and be back home again, and uh, y'all just don't realize, sitting back there, what God was, I'm sorry, Brother Jeff, I'm a wreck right now. Sitting right back there thinking 15 years ago, over in the old storefront across the street there from the gas station, being so broke, thinking my life was over with, and kneeling down in the altar, and all I can say is the pieces of my shattered heart, God took that golden thread of love and began to weave it back together. And I began to ask because I thought, Something that I shouldn't have done. Y'all was singing there. I thought number one was me, and I jumped out ahead of God and done something that I shouldn't have done. And I asked God, I said, send me who you wanted me to have, Lord. And she's sitting right beside me. Mm. Oh, and if you knew the things that I had done, and the devil tries to throw that back up at you, he had me convinced I couldn't have any kids. And, and, I, and I remember at Rainsville Church of God, I got a touch one night. And two months later, that little gal that was singing right there, whoo, God has messed me up this morning, y'all. I'm telling you. My Jesus. Whoa. I'm going to try to get through this thing this morning. But it's ironic. Here's what God had for me this morning as we're getting there. I want to tell everybody here, I love you. Love this church. Love what this church has meant to me. Love the people in this church. I got through some times with the, with the love of church friends and, and Jesus that I never would have got through had it not been. I'm thankful for that this morning. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter number 15. I promise I'll be brief. I know everybody's hungry, but I, I, I want you to be hungry spiritually for the word this morning. Because I do believe that God's got something kind of ironic for us this morning. John chapter number 15, and we'll start reading in verse number 9. And I'd like to ask you this morning, if you are physically able, would you stand and let's honor God's word this morning. John 15 and 9 says this. As the Father hath loved me, and I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that, your jo that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. 
He said, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. He said, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to share your word this morning. God, thank you, Lord, for every word that was spoken. And, Lord, every song that was sung that lifted up the name of Jesus. Lord, the sweet spirit that we feel here this morning. Father God, I pray and ask that you'd bless this church. Lord, let it go another 15 more years, Lord, if you tarry, you're coming. Father God, I pray right now, Lord, I don't have any desire to preach my own message or enticing words to men, God, but I pray this morning, let the unction, the Holy Ghost begin to come down and, Lord, begin to minister to your people this morning. Father God, I pray and ask, Lord, that you'd bless this word. Lord, that you'd bless the invitation time. God, that hearts would be right. If there's somebody here under the sound of our voice that's not saved, Father, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we ask these things in the name that's above every other name, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated this morning if you can. If you can't, just go on. I may not hold this mic very long. If that's all right with you, I think everybody can hear me pretty good. But as a very familiar passage of scripture here, Jesus is speaking not only to his disciples, but his future disciples that would, that would know him and become the church later on. He tells them in the first part how to bear fruit. We got to plug into the vine and he's the vine. But then he breaks out on the discourse of love. Now if I had a title for this message this morning, it would be this. How much does he love us? How much does he love us? You see, he says this, how the Father had loved him, how he loves us, and how we can love him. Could I pose to you this morning, there's no greater emotional need for a human being than to be loved. If we were to define love, Webster says it like this in two definitions. The first one being a noun says this, unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. Such as the fatherly concern for God, of God for humankind, brotherly concern for others, and the second would be this verb, to hold dear, to cherish, to like or desire actively, to take pleasure in. You see, I learned in health class, Maslow come up with this hierarchy of needs, and one of them being love and acceptance. We all want to feel loved. We all want to be accepted. Can I tell you this morning, whatever the world's telling you, young people, old people, whatever the Lord, whatever the world is trying to tell you love is, it ain't love. Can I tell you what love is? Oh. 2,000 years ago, on the cross of Calvary, when a man stretched his arms out and said, I love you this much. Greater love had no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friend. Your songs written about it. Love is a deep feeling that all of us long for. There's numerous songs written about it, poems, paintings depicted. While studying for this message, I had this old country song go through my head, Brother Jeff. It's kind of crazy. But it's Johnny Lee, and it says, the words go like this. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. In too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of, hoping to find a friend and a lover, 
I'll bless the day I discover another heart looking for love. Now, we're all looking for love in one way or another or one thing or another. I've heard this say, love don't cost a thing. But I would disagree with you this morning because Jesus paid the ultimate price for love. Amen. Oh, y'all help me. I'll go. The ultimate price for love. You see, I got a little illustration for you. There was this, there was this mother that was laying on the ground. In her arms, she held a tiny little baby, and she had cooked this sweet potato. And in her outstretched hand, she was wondering if she was going to live until the morning. Her strength was almost gone. She's tired. Her soul acknowledged, okay, that she's, she's fading. This sweet potato could help so little, but it was all that she had. And taking a bite of it, she chewed it carefully. Then she placed it in the mouth of her baby, and she forced that soft, warm food down that tiny throat. And although that mother was starving, she used that entire potato to keep her baby alive. Exhausted from effort, she dropped her head on the ground and closed her eyes. And in a few minutes, that baby was asleep. I later learned that during the night, that mother's heart had stopped, but her little girl had lived. Can I tell you, love is a costly thing. God, in his love for us, spared not heaven's best, amen, to tell the world of his love. Love is costly, but we must tell the world what it costs. Such love is costly. It costs parents and sons and daughters. It costs missionaries' lives. In his love for Christ, thank God, I'm glad that people will be willing to go to the kingdom because he went for us first, amen. Can I tell you, that's a little excerpt from Dick Hill's book, Love is a Costly Thing, because it is a costly thing this morning. And if I had a point for you, it'd be this, and it's how much does he love us. Number one, what was the cost? Luke 14 and 27 through 28 says this, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come, out, come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? whether he has sufficient to build it. Can I tell you, Jesus poses us a question about counting the cost right here, what it is to follow him. But can I tell you, he don't ever ask us to do something he's not already done, amen? You see, what it cost him to complete the greatest plan of love. Uh, it says this in Revelation 3 and 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. him by surprise. He's seen through the scope of time. He is eternal. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He knew how it's going to turn out before. So before he said, let there be, Jesus said, I'll go. Thank God for that this morning. My Lord. Stay with me now. What did it cost? What did it cost? I'll tell you this. He left behind being the object of worship. 
and came to earth as a lowly meek servant. Imagine this, the king of glory. The king of glory left heaven to be a little baby, have somebody change his diaper, have somebody feed him and nourish him. I'm talking about a man that spoke it into existence and he gave up all that for me and you. Amen. He's rejected by men even though he does miracle after miracle. Tempted by the devil in the wilderness yet without sin, he tells the devil, it's written, it's written, it's written. He goes to the garden and then he begins to pray. Can y'all see this, church? I'm just imagining. I'm not, I'm not trying to feed him. Don't, don't misconstrue that. But all his disciples had fell asleep. And he's went in the garden. And he's beginning to pray. And I know there's been times where I've prayed hard for things. I don't know that I've ever broke a sweat praying. I might have. Yeah, I probably have in church. But his sweat began to drop down there. And the Bible says it turned into drops of blood. And that humanity said, Father, if there's any other way. If there's any other way. Amen. He's betrayed and kissed for 30 pieces of silver. Put on trial. Beaten with 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it's a leather ball. And they'd put either glass or bone or something in it. And every time they'd hit, it'd sink into the flesh and it'd tear part of the flesh out. 39 times. He got hit with that for me and you. They spit on him. I ain't got much of a beard, but I got a little one here. They pulled the beard, plucked the beard out of his face. After they had already beat him, they put a crown, put a robe on him, put a crown of thorns about his head, mocked him. His disciples all deserted him. Finally given the task, he has to carry the cross. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it's a two-mile trek from where he had to carry it in Jerusalem to Calvary where Roman soldiers drove five-inch nails in between the two bones that were in his wrist, seven-inch nails that were driven into his feet. He had a a sign over the top of his cross and over his head that said, Here is King of the Jews, mocking him. If that wasn't bad enough, they began to say, if you're really the son of God, just come down off that cross and we'll believe you. They wouldn't have believed him because they see they were one of his miracles. I had raised the sick. I had raised the dead. I had opened blinded eyes. And they still didn't believe. Amen. Lay down and 
close the hose right now. And all of a sudden, I drive by that church, that still small voice that says, Hello. You gotta, I got the help that you need. And I remember that day, the 88 Camaro, Brother yeah. Jeff, and it's still sweet today. It was yeah. back then when I said, If you're really who you say you are, Jesus, and you really do what you say you do, if you'll save me and deliver me, I'll live for you. still folks that ain't believing, amen? Just like in that day. But I would to God that you would believe this morning because he does love you. They told him, come off of that cross. Roman soldiers shooting dice at the foot of the cross, gambling for his garments. The Bible says this, he called out in Matthew, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthia, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the best part, oh, help me, Jesus. But the best part and the true cost of love can be found in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. It says, for he who knew no sin was made to be sin for me and you. Can I tell you why the father had to look away? Because at that moment, at that very second, all the sin of the world, past, present, and future, was cast on Jesus Christ. Wow, my Lord. You see, he provided the ultimate cost. He paid the ultimate cost for love for us. The sinless, spotless lamb was made to be sin for me and you. And he sacrificed his life. They didn't know man take it. You read it in there. He tore it in two. They didn't kill him. He laid it down. Amen. The second thing is this. Just how much does he love us? Well, we said he spared not the only son for us. But listen to this. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons or daughters of God. Therefore the world knoweth, knoweth us not because it knew him not. That's First John 3 and 1. Romans 8 and 35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature. Uh, I hope y'all getting this. You see, Can I tell you this, Ephesians 2 and 4 through 6 says this, But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. 
By grace are you saved, and he has raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, I sat in a heavenly place right back there a minute ago. Then I sat in another heavenly place right there, Brother Jeff. And you know what? One day, we're going to sit in a heavenly place. One day, Brother Jeff, because of this short amount of love, Couldn't help but think about Daddy in the old short drunk and playing with him there. One day, Tim. One day on the other side, we're all going to knock on the door and we're going to throw them all over heaven. We're going to get to the throne. And then we're going to lay down and worship him. I'm glad for that. Because of that unending, unmeasurable plan of love that Jesus put together. Amen. Can I tell you, I read this, Harry Truman, and I, I'll, it was recently discovered in a library in Independence, Kentucky, or Independence, Missouri, not Kentucky. That's where his wife, Miss Bess, was from. It was discovered that every time he would go away, or his wife would go away, or he'd have to go out on business, he'd write her a love letter, and they found about 1,300 love letters that President Harry Truman had written to his wife, Bess. You see, you know, scholars are examining these letters to see if they find any new light, and that really don't matter. But what I got out of it was this. You see, the President of the United States took time out from dealing with the world's most powerful leaders to sit down and write his wife a love letter. That's from Bits and Pieces, October 1992. Can I tell you this? How much does he love us? You see, the president may have written love letters to his wife. But can I tell you, God has written the greatest love letter that's ever been. Amen. He wrote it. He purchased it in his own precious blood. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. The reason why it says history, it's his story. Amen. I'm going to have to quit that. It's falling everywhere. You see, finally, it took about, it was 66 chapters written over the course of 1,500 years. About 38 to 40 writers. They're not real sure. But it's the greatest story of love that's ever been told. Amen. And finally, I promise, I know everybody's wanting to eat. I'm about done. I'm going to land a plane. What does love look like? Amen? Brother Jeff, I got to thinking about a couple examples of what love looked like. You go to the Old Testament. You've got this woman by the name of Ruth. Her husband's died. The rest of the brothers have died. There ain't nobody hurt but her and Naomi. She cleans herself and Naomi says, Where do you go? I'm going with you. That's it. And your God's going to be my God. They're about to starve to death. Naomi thinks it's hopeless. I'm just going to give up. Man, God. There was a kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz. He told his servants, he said, you go out to the edge of the field. He said, you pick out these handfuls of turkeys. And you let that woman begin to glean in that field. Because we're going to save her. And we're going to save her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she'd go by and pick it up. That's a story of love right there. 
seed's going to go off just like the prodigal son after Lydia's living. She becomes a prostitute and a harlot. She goes from house to house and man to man. And all of a sudden, she's sold into slave trade. But thanks be to God, there's a story of love where a man by the name of Hosea starts bidding on that woman saying, I'll take her. I know she done me wrong. I know she don't deserve it, but I'll take her, amen. Because I believe she's redeemable. hit you with a hard truth this morning. You know who Gomer was? You know who Jesus was? Hosea. We weren't worth killing, Brother Jeff. What's worth saving? But I'm glad to play of love with the Calvary. Amen. He said, I see something redeemable in them. Amen. Woo, my Lord. Well, I'll go on, I promise. <laughs> can you imagine that? No, I can't. Can you imagine Gomer standing there on the auction block, head dropped down, knowing she got kids, knowing she got a husband that loved her, and all of a sudden she heard that familiar voice. You say 25. What do you think that done to her? Amen. Mm. I'm glad I heard that voice, Brother Jeff, that said, I got to help if you need it. You see, I couldn't help but think about David. There's, he's talking to his servants. He says, is there anybody in the house of Saul I can show kindness to? As a little boy, saw Jonathan's son had been dropped on his head as a nurse, lame from that point on. Probably nobody went to visit him. Probably nobody went to go see him. All of a sudden, he hears the clack of horses coming. A little knock on the door. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, are you here? He's thinking, oh, my goodness, somebody's going to kill me. Saul's gone. Jonathan's gone. I'm only left. And when he gets to the door, I don't know. The Bible don't say it. It might be like this. He might have crawled to the door, opened it up there. And you know what the answer was? Mephibosheth. I know you've been done wrong, but the king is merciful to you. He asked, is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show love to? And all of a sudden he says, pack up your stuff, because you're not going to stay here no more. You're going to the palace, brother, and you got a place at the table. Y'all didn't get that. Thank God we got a place at the table now, amen? Uh. Well, Mark chapter number four. Y'all sung yes, and I, I could have left you. <laughs> See, Mark chapter number four, Jesus tells the disciples this story. In verse 35, Jesus tells the story there. Little did they know they fixed to hear in one of the biggest stories they ever had. Jesus laid up on the stern sleep. They're in panic mode. Jesus, wake up. Do you not care that we're about to die? Jesus said, hey, you got to wake up. He gets up, hey, here's a little thing for you. The same word that Jesus has used in Greek. Now, the devil ain't in every storm. We give him credit. Okay? We give him credit a lot of times for things that he ain't done. But he was in this storm. And the same word that when Jesus rebuked the wind, 
is my issue. It don't matter what it is. The Bible says, casting all our care upon him in 1 Peter because he cares for us. He cared just as much about Jairus' daughter as he did that woman with the issue of blood. So he stops. He don't even name her. And he says, he woman with an issue of blood ran to Jesus' feet and worshipped him. Jairus, the first thing he did was run to Jesus' feet and worship him. I shared this a couple Sundays ago with my church. Our posture will affect our outcome. looks like healing a man that's got 6,000 demons, healing a woman that's got an issue of blood, and raising the daughter that was dead. Amen? Well, I'm going to go on, I promise. I'm about to close. Mark chapter 10, love looks like this. When Jesus stopped by, he's walking down the road, there's a blind man sitting at the edge of the road. He says, hey, hey, going on, what's happening here, and the disciples say, hey, hold your peace, Jesus is walking by, yeah. Yeah. he don't seem to be saying anything to him, all of a sudden, that man don't care that he's been blind, he's tired of looking in the dark, wandering in the dark, 
Can I come to find you if you're lost and in sin and you've been wandering in the dark and you're reaching around trying to find what you're looking for? Can I tell you, here's what you need to do. You need to take a lesson from blind Bartimaeus. You need to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Then all of a sudden Jesus said, what? i got to go back. unspeakable and full of glory as he says Luke 17 Jesus cleansed the ten lepers but only one of them came back and thanked him and worshipped him amen John chapter 5 the love that Jesus had for the man at the pool of Bethesda lying by that sheep gate for 38 years listen to this the angel would come by and stir the water every now and then. If you could step into that water after the angel stirred it up, you'd get healed. But every time that water got stirred, that man was on his back on his mat and he couldn't move. But I'm glad love came by when he And I'm glad he said, Son, what would you have, have me to do unto you? He said that I'd be made whole. Here's what Jesus said. He grabbed him by the hand and said, Take up thy bed, rise and walk. Amen. And the Bible says that man went into the house of God leaping and praising God. Thank God. Give him some praise right there. He deserves it. Amen. Thank God for love this morning. And I've already said this. Love that he had at the garden, at the whipping post. Bearing his cross all the way. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. But love. Love held him on the cross. Love helped him finish the mission. Love that he had when he made the promise to the disciples after he resurrected. He said, I'm coming back. I wish I could. I ain't going to dive into this message. But you know, when you read about it. Says Peter ran in there and found the napkin that was about his head folded up and placed real nicely. I don't know if you know this or not, but that's the Jewish custom that whenever you had supper or you ate with somebody and you really enjoyed their company, you folded up your napkin in a, in a way that he did just there at the resurrection. And it means this I enjoyed your company and I'm soon coming back. What kind of love is that? Amen. You see, I'm going to close with this. Now, I've told you this morning the plan of love for you and asked you how much he loves you. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Is they going to, if y'all don't mind, come play this morning. I'm going to open the altar. I want to ask you this question. How much do you love him? I want to invite you this morning as everybody stands.
If you want to come to the altar and tell him how much you love him this morning, would you join me down here? And I also want to say this, if you don't know him, I'd ask this morning you come and you get to know him. Because the Bible says this in 1 Peter 4 and 8, above all things, have fervent charity, and charity can be replaced with love among yourselves. For love shall cover a multitude of sin. Amen? I'm going to ask you this morning, before we pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want anybody looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know, because I feel in my heart there's somebody here today you don't know this man that I'm talking about today. If that's you, and you don't know Jesus, would you just slip up your hand, because I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Amen. Thank you, God, seeing that hand. Amen. That's sufficient. Look this way. If you need to come pray this morning, I'd ask you. Come tell him how much you love him this morning. If you don't know him, come let him love you. Come let him cover your sin this morning with his blood. As they begin to play.